why is there this hot wire between what's going on down here and what's going on up here? Yes, that's the gut-brain axis, which is really hot in science right now, um, in part because we didn't really know that it existed. Mm. It wasn't until we started studying these bugs that we really realized what was going on there. And there is a nerve that directly connects your gut to your brain. Mm -hmm. So those neurotransmitters are reacting with that nerve and directly communicating with your brain. Well, hello there, and welcome to the Exam Room Podcast, brought to you by the Physicians Committee. Hi, I am the weight loss champion, Chuck Carroll. Thanks so much for giving the show a listen this week, a view, a download, wherever it is that you are, we appreciate the fact that you are here. You know, your brain and your belly, they are like a couple of best friends. They are always chatting it up, burning up the lines 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365 days a year. So you better hope that they have unlimited minutes because otherwise you are out of luck, my friend. But here's where their conversations differ from most chatterboxes because your gut and your brain, they're not talking about office gossip. They're not talking about the game last night or silly memes that they found on the internet. No. What they are talking about is your health and almost every facet of it. And now, Dr. Lee Frame, she spends her days eavesdropping on their conversations, and she's going to reveal what it is that she's been hearing from your gut and your brain. And we're going to key in on a few of those conversations, like fiber fiber. It is always a big topic on the exam room. So we're going to find out why fiber is critical for your gut health. And we're also going to learn how your gut bacteria can change with every single meal that you eat. We'll also learn how it affects your mental health and whether you're happy or you're sad. And Dr. Frame will share what she has heard, what she knows about the effect of a keto diet, what effect that has on your gut bacteria. Now, here's something that you may not know yet. About four out of every five neurotransmitters, those are the little guys, they're like messengers that carry signals throughout your body. Well, four out of every five of them are created in your gut. So it is a huge thing when we're talking about gut bacteria. And all of that is just the tip of the iceberg. We have so much more to discuss on today's show with Dr. Frame. And I was also privileged enough to have been able to have the honor to sit down with Bruce and Mindy Milray. Now, Bruce and Mindy, they have been inseparable for more than 30 years. He has a background in a high-paced, high-pressure technology society, carved out a nice living in Silicon Valley, while Mindy, she was busy rising to the top of the fitness industry, starred in hundreds of fitness videos, landed a slew of endorsements, and even invented this popular wild home exercise equipment called Glide Discs. Maybe you've heard of that? Maybe you've seen their infomercials? Indeed, Bruce and Mindy, they are a power couple. And as they say, with great power comes great responsibility. They decided that they wanted their life to have a greater purpose. So today, they travel the world in an enormous RV that is covered in all sorts of fruits and vegetables. Very vibrant. You absolutely cannot miss it. Dare I say you can see it from space. And they call this RV, this vegetable-covered RV, the Wellness Wagon. And their mission is simple, to share the benefits of a plant-based diet with as many people as possible. So from major conferences to trailer parks throughout the U.S., Bruce and Mindy passionately detailed their research showing that eliminating meat and dairy from the diet can help you lose weight and lower blood pressure and cholesterol, improve often reverse type 2 diabetes and even heart disease, and lower the risk of cancer. So many kinds of cancer, breast cancer, colon cancer, and prostate cancer, among others. And that is where it gets personal for Bruce and Mindy. Because they're doing all of this globetrotting after doctors told Bruce that he had prostate cancer. So 
Not long ago, they visited the Physicians Committee's headquarters right here in Washington, and we had a frank and candid conversation about the challenges that are facing them and why it's important that they tackle those challenges head on with a positive attitude and unrelenting optimism. Eating a whole food plant-based diet, it is a critical part of Bruce's health plan, and he credits it immensely for helping him throughout the treatment process. He says, as you'll hear, that he was able to nullify many of the side effects of the surgeries, the radiation, the hormone therapies. He was able to nullify those sometimes horrific side effects because of his diet. This is a conversation you're not going to want to miss. Before we bring on Dr. Frame, I want to let you know that our conversation on the exam room this week is brought to you by the Gregory J. Ryder Memorial Fund. That fund supports organizations that carry on his passion and his love for animals through rescue efforts and veganism and wildlife conservation. So many incredible ways. So I encourage you, please, to visit GregoryRyderFund.org. That's Gregory, R-E-I-T-E-R, Fund.org, to learn more about Greg's story and also about animal issues. And while you're there, you can also subscribe to the Fund's newsletter. You can find a link to that website right now in the show notes for this episode. Time to have some fun here on the Exam Room Podcast, brought to you by the Physicians Committee with the weight loss champion, Chuck Carroll. I mentioned my next guest's presentation at the International Conference on Nutrition and Medicine every single time I plug the conference for a reason, and that is because the topic is absolutely, positively, unequivocally fascinating beyond belief. Talking about gut microbiome, gut bacteria, that is among the most popular topics here on the Exam Room. And with that... With that, we welcome back Dr. Lee Frame. She is, I have this written down now, the Director of Integrative Medicine at the George Washington School of Medicine and Health Sciences. Welcome back to the show. Thank you very much. I'm very glad to be back. I'm very glad that you are sitting next to me. Your presentation, the title, Nutrition and the Gut Microbiome, Where Are We Now? Where Are We Going? As a refresher for those who didn't listen to our first interview, where are we now? That's a great question. Um, so we're kind of in this weird, fuzzy space right now. While we're starting to understand things, for instance, fiber is really important for the microbiome, and the microbiome produces short-chain fatty acids, which are really important for the health of your gut bugs, your gut, and you. Um, but much beyond that, we are really just beginning to understand it. It's not clear. We don't really know the relationships, but things are emerging, and it's very exciting. Um, And I think maybe in the next five years, we're going to get a better understanding and really start to have this field blossom. All right, so I'm going to give you a million-dollar idea right now. Uh, Your gut bugs, your gut, and you. Write a book. Bestseller. (laughs) Instant. I would love to write a book, actually. I love writing. Yeah. So fiber, uh, you're just talking about that. Like that, that seems to be such a critical component of overall health. I mean, just yeah. basically every part of your body, right down to your fingertips. Absolutely. It seems like the, the one sure bet you can say to almost everyone to increase your fiber intake. Mm-hmm. Like, you're probably not getting enough, so just increase your fiber intake, and you will be better off. It, it is shockingly low how little fiber there is in the standard diet. Yes, yes. And part of that's because people eat a lot of processed foods, refined grains things that don't have the fiber in them, where if you're eating whole foods and unprocessed things, that fiber's still there. Mm-hmm. Now, let me ask you, one of the uh, more popular diets on the market right now, and I'm going to put that in quotes, is the, uh, the keto diet. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think keto, low carb, not a whole lot of fiber there. I yeah. mean, what is that doing to the gut? Yes. So there haven't been a ton of studies on that, but um, it is a very low fiber diet. And so it, I feel very comfortable saying that long term, that diet is not going to be healthy for your gut microbiome. You need fiber to have a healthy gut microbiome. It is literally the fuel for your microbiome. So if you're not fueling them, they will not be running. And if they're not running, you're not running. Right, right. All right. So eat that fiber, boys and girls. Super, super important. All right. So we asked, uh, where are we now? Where are we going? Where are we going? 
So there's so many places we can go because the research has really been focused on fiber, which is great. Fiber's wonderful. We just talked about that. But there's so many more components to food than that. Um, one of the areas I'm really excited about is phytochemicals so Ooh. or phytonutrients. Mm-hmm. Um, they're the chemical compounds that are naturally found in plants, and a lot of them have been linked to health benefits like prevention of heart disease, prevention of cancer. Um, one of the ones you may be familiar with is called resveratrol. It's found in red wine. It's also found in a little bit in white wine. but I think that about three-quarters of our listeners just <laughs> raised a glass and said cheers. Exactly. So that's why people tend to be familiar with that one. Um, and there is a little bit of research coming out showing that it's beneficial. And let me, let me back up. It's not only is Riveritol beneficial for your microbiome, but red wine is beneficial. Okay. There's actually been a study trying to tease out whether it was these phytonutrients, if it was the alcohol. What was it about red wine that made it good for your microbiome? And the answer really is it's it as a whole food. Really? It's the wine as a whole food. It's not the alcohol. It's not the phytonutrients. It's them interacting together as a food matrix. So, uh, I mean, you can't get the same effect by drinking grape juice? No. Wow. I know. Okay. You would think, I mean, you're still going to have a positive effect. It's just the effect of, that they show with wine is vastly stronger. Hmm. And much more than you would predict by just simply adding the different effects together. It's what we call synergism. Interesting. Interesting. And it's not the alcohol. It's not. So say somebody prefers beer. Like, how is that going to affect the microbiome? You know, I don't, I haven't really looked at beer, but it's going to have a different effect. There are definitely some polyphenols, but they're different polyphenols. So different chemical compounds. Um, Beer has different nutrients in it. And B12 is actually quite important for the microbiome. Mm. So I could see that being very beneficial. Um, but, yeah, it's, it's going to be a different animal. That's crazy. Um, the last time you were on the show, I'm just going to pivot and go in a completely different direction here. Um, the last time you were on the show, you were explaining to us how advancements in DNA research are actually driving gut microbiome research. Real quick, can you recap the parallel there for us? Mm-hmm, absolutely. So before... When we were trying to study the gut microbiome, we were using classic culture techniques. You take bacteria, you plate them on on an agar plate, you watch them grow, you figure out what kind of bacteria they are. But a lot of the bugs that live in our gut don't grow out in the oxygen environment Mm -hmm. that we like. So once you take them out of the gut, you can't culture them on a plate like that. So we literally couldn't study them. There was no way to study them. But now we have relatively inexpensive and quick test where you're just looking at the genetics of who is there. So we're just looking at their genomes and we can identify bacteria based on their genomes. So now it doesn't matter if they're alive, what, what, whether they like oxygen or not, we know that they're there. Hmm. And that allows us to ask questions that we never were able to ask before. Right on. Like what? Like well, what? Come like, on. Like what? Like, like well, what? Um, if you were on a low fiber diet, what does your gut microbiome like? like? And then what happens when we put you on a high fiber diet? Ooh. How rapidly does that uh, gut microbiome change? That's a great question. So the gut microbiome is actually fairly stable uh, in terms of you have like a temporary dietary change, it will go back to its normal, but it also does actually respond to each meal. Really? Right. So if, you, if you're feeding them, they're going to get happy and multiply. So mm. you gave them some fiber this meal, it, you, it will look different. But you have to kind of maintain that over a period of time for it to really be a permanent change. Wow. Okay. Learn a little something new every day. Um, I just want to keep bouncing around because it's it's like such a fascinating topic how it just it can control like so many facets of your being like right down to your mood like mm-hmm. if you're if your gut bacteria is not happy you're not happy it's true I, I mean what's what's the correlation there you know why why is there this hot wire between what's going on down here and what's going on up here yes that's the gut brain axis which is really hot in science right now um, in part because we didn't really know that it existed. It wasn't until we started studying these bugs that we really realized what was going on there. Um, And actually, about 80% of your neurotransmitters are produced in the gut. Really? Which kind of blows your mind. And and there is a nerve that directly connects your gut to your brain. Mm -hmm. So those neurotransmitters are reacting with that nerve and directly communicating with your brain. Is that why we hear so many times a person who goes on a plant-based diet and they've been on antidepressants for so many years, they change their eating habits, Mm -hmm. suddenly they don't need the antidepressants. Yes. Fiber is something that's required for production of serotonin in the gut. So if you aren't getting enough fiber, you're not producing enough serotonin and you will not be happy. Wow. Yeah. Now there are, I mean, there are obviously other reasons you could be depressed, but that is a, a 
probably the methodology that I would say is describing what you're saying. There. Right, right. It went from a, a probably fiber-poor diet to a very fiber-rich diet, and now they no longer needed their antidepressants. Mm, mm. Does the same hold true for, I guess, other, I mean, I, I don't mean to put you on the spot, but then I'm, I'm thinking like, okay, well, what if somebody's got bipolar disorder or something like mm. that? Is that a little bit different? It, it probably is different, though I will tell you there are people who are doing research on that because it's it's possible that they have a dysbiosis that could be treated. And maybe nutrition won't be powerful enough to reset that, but I will tell you nutrition probably will help. And yeah. it will probably be important in that process. Because even if you reset the microbiome in some therapeutic way, for for instance, a fecal transplant, you're still going to need to feed those bugs. So right. You're still going to need that fiber diet. Right, right. Um, yeah, fecal transplants, uh, those are... The fact that you can actually do those, one, that, that <laughs> blows my mind. I mean, I'm not a doctor, so the fact uh -huh. that, I mean, that's even getting brought up here is like, wow, she really just said that, and wow, wow, that that's really a thing. It like, is a thing. So, uh, no, it, I, it may be a thing of the past, because there are companies that are trying to make that obsolete. Okay. By making a, a pill version of, essentially a super probiotic. Right on. So they're taking the, the fecal out of the transplant. It, it, is that temporary, though? I mean, because it goes in, I would imagine what goes in must come out. Right. So it depends. Um, typically, it's given with broad-spectrum antibiotics. So okay. you're, in theory, wiping out what was there before, and the new microbiome that you're delivering should colonize. Okay. Not that that always happens. There's a small fail rate, but it's pretty small. Well, antibiotics then. So let's let's do microbiome 101. Somebody goes on antibiotics, say they've got a sinus infection or something mm -hmm. like that. You know, they get a 10-day prescription of amoxicillin or, or augmentin, whatever the mm -hmm. case may be. What does that do to gut bacteria? So we aren't entirely sure because we haven't specifically studied that very much, um, but... Like I said, the microbiome is fairly resilient. So for a short period of time like that, it will bounce back. Right on. You go back to your healthy diet, you'll be fine. Right on. It's when you have these long-term, like for instance, someone who's using antibiotics for acne. Yep. That's where you really get concerned because they're never giving their microbiome a chance to bounce back. Yeah. And at some point, it's going to be beyond return. Yeah. Yeah. I've, I've heard of people who go on antibiotics long term and they're okay for a little while and then suddenly they just have all sorts of stomach yes, issues. Exactly. You know? And, and yeah. I mean like pain. Mm -hmm. Like pain you wouldn't wish on your worst enemy. Right. Um, what research is being done right now that you're particularly excited about? What are you mm -hmm. really keeping a close eye on? That's a good question. Um, actually, it's... Put you right on the th I mean, you can name multiple studies yeah, that are going on if you want. Yeah, something really interesting that I just heard about that's kind of tangentially related, it's not like super related, is there's a company that is designing antibodies that are going to go in and get rid of one type of bug, one specific strain. What? So rather than giving you an antibiotic that could potentially wipe out your whole microbiome, yeah. we give you this very targeted or antibody that will go in and eliminate whatever bug is making you sick. Really? Yes. So then Yo. we don't even have to worry about how long you're on antibiotics. Right? Uh, uh, okay, so then my follow-up to this is, and I mean, feel free to dodge this question like it's a game of dodgeball. We hear about this resistance now to antibiotics. If we're able to drill drugs down to that type of level, would that help alleviate some of the drug resistance that we're experiencing? Absolutely. Um, part of the reason we have resistance is because the bacteria are being exposed to the antibiotics. And so if we remove that selective pressure, to use an evolutionary term, they're not going to need to make those genes anymore, and they won't be beneficial to them, so they'll just stop making them. Right on. Um, the genes are very thrifty. If something isn't benefiting them, they're going to throw it right out. Right. So that, that will no longer be beneficial for them. They're going to get rid of it. They'll stop making it. And so when we do need to use antibiotics for some reason, we don't have something that's super targeted like that, they could be more effective. Hmm. Uh, is this research, it's pretty early stages? Super right early stages. Super early? Yeah. All right. So don't expect to see that one released next week. No, Bummer. unfortunately. I'll keep an eye on it, though. That's really. Yeah. Do you know who's, who's working on that? Um, it's, it's, actually, it's a company called Scaled Microbiome Therapeutics. Okay. Never heard of them? Yeah, they're but a small company. I actually just met them in Boston uh, at a conference a few months ago. A Boston company. Mm -hmm. Okay. Okay. Maybe take that's a Actually, that's the hotbed of microbiome. Is it really? Yeah, that's where all the industry is. Beantown. Mm -hmm. Fiber. I go to Boston all the time. Yeah, there you go. Beantown <laughs> Fiber. I like it. <laughs> that's cool. So what, is it just like a bunch of small people? Or I know that, you know, 
they have wonderful universities up that yeah, way. Yeah, it's as a well. lot of MIT and Harvard folks. Yeah, <laughs> <that was laughs> a lot good. of MIT because it's definitely more on the technical side of things. Right on. What are you guys yeah. working on right now at uh, at GW? Like your yeah. programs? What's going on? Yeah, so we're definitely working to start a research program. I am setting up a clinical trial, which I'm really excited about, looking at the delivery of vitamin D via the skin versus via a pill on the mouth and how that affects the microbiome of the gut versus the microbiome of the skin. That is fascinating. That is fascinating. When uh, When does all that ramp up? Uh, soon. I'm in that indefinite, I don't know when I'm going to start phase uh, okay. because, you know, things are in contracts, but soon. Okay. Okay. Are you, you going to use students or are you going to need uh, <laughs> recruitment? Or I will gonna... probably need recruitment because okay. this one is going to be healthy adults. Okay. Healthy adults. Well, I happen to know quite a few of them working in this office. <laughs> yeah, there are a lot of people here. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Uh, final word is all yours. Anything you want to put out there that we haven't talked about as far as the microbiome? As far as the microbiome. Well, I just stay tuned and uh, definitely listen to the GW podcast because we're going to be doing some things. There we go. Uh, on that and our upcoming Sung Symposium. Um, listen for that. There'll be some ties to the microbiome. And actually, if you missed it, our last Sung Symposium is archived on our website so you can watch it freely available. The website is? And it is the. Online? Online. We'll have to get back <laughs> to you on that. It's long, unfortunately. Okay. But. Um, it's on there, and that has the gut-brain connection, the microbiome. So if, you, if that piqued your interest, check that one out. Well, I guarantee if they're listening to this conversation, <laughs> it'll, it'll pique the interest. You know, that's, that's really cool. So, all right, Dr. Lee Frame, thank you very much for your thank time. You. Fascinating as always. This episode of the Exam Room Podcast is brought to you by the Gregory J. Ryder Memorial Fund. This incredible fund supports organizations carrying on Greg's passion and the love that he had for animals through rescue efforts and veganism and even wildlife conservation. So right now, I encourage you, please, to visit GregoryRyderFund.org. That's Gregory, R-E-I-T-E-R, fund.org, where you can learn more about Greg's story. And also, while you're there, you can learn about issues surrounding animals, and you can subscribe to their newsletter. And you can find a link to that website right now in the show notes for this episode. So here's a fun fact about gut bacteria as we wrap up our discussion on it. You guys love it. Every single time that we've done a show on gut bacteria, you just can't get enough. As a matter of fact, both episodes that we've done on gut microbiome are among the most downloaded episodes in the history of the exam room. So I hope that you enjoyed today's talk as well. And if you have any questions about what you heard, about what Dr. Frame and I discussed, we would love to try to answer them for you. So tweet them to us using the hashtag examroompodcast. I'm at Chuck Carroll, WLC. That's Carroll with two R's and two L's, the WLC standing for Weight Loss Champion. And the show is at PCRM. You can also find us on Instagram because, hey, we're everywhere, at Chuck Carroll, WLC once again. And then the show and the organization, a little bit different this time. It's spelled out at Physicians Committee. And by the way, you can also send us a video of your question, and we might just play it back on the show with an answer. So tweet us, Instagram us. It doesn't matter. Just give us your questions and we will do our best to get you an answer on an upcoming episode. And now it's time for a powerful and uplifting conversation with Bruce and Mindy Milray. This wonderful husband and wife are traveling the world talking about the benefits of a plant-based diet in a massive and vibrantly colorful RV. Their mission is to educate and improve the lives of others struggling with their own health. And they're doing it while Bruce faces his own challenge with prostate cancer. It was a diagnosis that just blindsided them later in life. So after receiving the diagnosis, Bruce underwent surgeries and treatments and hormone therapies. But as you'll hear... He credits his newly adopted whole food plant-based diet with helping him throughout that process, minimize the devastating effects of those treatments. And while he's not out of the woods yet, 
he and Mindy are facing everything head-on with infectious positivity. And they're also doing it while helping as many others along the way as possible. Sitting here with Bruce and Mindy Milray on the Exam Room Podcast, brought to you by the Physicians Committee. Man, you guys have a whole lot to talk about. We have a whole lot to talk about today. I mean, just, I'm exhausted before we even started rolling, (laughs) talking and getting a chance to know you guys. You have incredible stories. So with that, Bruce, Mindy, welcome to the program. Thank Thank you. you. We're thrilled to be here with you, Chuck. You guys are super famous in the plant-based community. And oh, by the way, you who's listening now, hit pause, go head over over to onedaytowellness.org and check them out. And now that you're back after checking that out, let me, uh, let me tell you a little bit about these guys. They travel the world. They are globetrotters in a fruit and vegetable-covered RV, and all you do is talk about plant-based nutrition. How in the world did you land this gig? I mean, that's, that's pretty incredible. <laughs> Well, I have. Th- thank you for so much for having us. Uh, I've been in the fitness industry actually for about thirty-seven years, teaching fitness pros, and um, I had Bruce join me in business about fifteen years ago. But about ten years ago, we were traveling across the country in an airplane. I was reading the book. Uh, by T. Colin Campbell, The China Study, mm-hmm. by I'm sure a lot of your listeners know. And uh, Bruce grabbed it out of my hand and said, what are you reading? And actually, he was a carnivore at that time, sitting next to me in the airplane. I was dabbling in plant-based nutrition. And he said, um, I want to read this book cover to cover. Well, he got off that plane about five hours later, an absolute vegan. Wow. He was madder than a wet hen. He didn't <laughs> want to eat the wet hen. So he was, uh, he was, he was hooked. And And his cholesterol was about 276. And he said, you know what? I'm going to become a lab rat. I'm going to do what T. Colin Campbell says. About six weeks later, he dropped his cholesterol by about 100 points. That changed our entire life. Uh, We went from lecturing just on fitness to really lecturing on something very much more important, which was food. Mm. And it's always been the food. It will always be the food. And if you work out and you still eat you know, the standard American diet, you're not going to get the gains that you want. So now we are lecturing on evidence-based nutrition and wellness, and not only wellness, but meditation, mindfulness, behavioral change, and all that is well-rounded for um, creating a, a, a really healthy life. Yeah, and, and and that is a very important message, especially coming from somebody who's devoted their life to the fitness industry, to say that food is critical. So many people think that the gym is the answer, but no, 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 no. No, you fitness c- makes you hungry, yeah. you know, and we eat more calories than we actually burn off in the first place. Yep. So I always tell fitness professionals, if you're going to work someone out or they're going to be in your fitness class, you have to say, that was a great start. Mm-hmm. And now let's go out there and make great decisions. All right, Bruce, here's a question for you. Before you get on that fateful flight and you pick up that book, what what did you eat that day? Do you remember? Oh, boy. (laughs) It's a a crazy story. We were on our way from San Francisco to Myrtle Beach, South Carolina, and I had actually mapped out the four barbecue restaurants that I wanted because Myrtle Beach, South Carolina is the barbecue capital of the world. Don't tell anybody in Texas that, but that's what they'll tell you, Myrtle Beach. Mm -hmm. And uh, I had mapped out because I love – I love to eat and have my whole life. I grew up in the South in Atlanta, Georgia. Mm-hmm. Fried chicken was a food group for me along with barbecue. <laughs> and I literally had absolutely no, similar to you, no idea about nutrition. And I was involved in a very stressful, uh, fast-paced job in Silicon Valley, marketing sales. I was commuting a lot and flying a lot. Uh, I was probably 30 pounds overweight. I was 30 pounds more than I am now. And I, I read that book. I got on that plane, a hardcore meteor. Four hours later, I got off vegan. <laughs> and I was just shocked, just like Mindy said. I was floored because I thought I was really smart. And I'm like, I'm 52. Why don't I know any of this information? And as, as we both know, as we know, it's just it's tough. It, the people just aren't aware mm-hmm. until you serendipitously maybe find out about it like right. I did and you did. Yeah. But it's not being taught, and most people don't learn about it from their physicians, as we know as well. Well, the physicians aren't being taught either, and that's one of our big initiatives here at the Physicians Committee is trying to school 
<laughs> and we take, love take the that. med students to school. Yes. Teach yeah. them up, you know. Yep. Um, so, you, you know, and, and I will never forget the day in my bariatric surgeon's office, and I had lost a, a good amount of weight at that point, and he, he looks me right in the eye. He's like, you need to eat a hamburger. Now, I'm not, plant, oh, no. I, I'm not plant-based at this point, but even I'm like looking across the table at him, just as I am you right now, Mindy, and I'm like, really, man? That's, that's what you're telling me? You're telling me to start eating the same things that brought me to you in the first place? This is your solution? Like, come on. Like, what sense does that make? Again, didn't know anything about plant-based nutrition, but that goes to how little is being taught about nutrition in medical school. It's really eye-opening. It is. Yeah. And even to this day, we have a lot of doctors, we have a lot of registered dietitians that come to our program and are completely blown away. Yeah. They just simply well, we do had not a doc- have We have a doctor and his wife that right now rent, our, rent out our house in Santa Cruz, California, and he didn't know anything. And we strategically... Uh, led our program one day to wellness actually at our home with them there mm-hmm. they turned vegan well whole food plant-based right after that he lost 50 pounds he is now advocating a whole food plant-based diet to all of his patients his life has completely changed because of that that day with us teaching with us mm-hmm. teaching one day to wellness yeah Look at you guys. A little bit more of the backstory, though, is in the fitness industry, I don't know if you've ever been to a fitness conference, but it is a train wreck of nutrition. (laughs) Everybody thinks they know about nutrition if they're just, they're involved in the fitness industry. And that goes from, you know, Zumba instructors right up to the best personal trainers. Mm. And it is based, the fitness industry is Selling shake potions and pills. Well, and clubs are just trying to make money. I mean, it's not yeah. it's not anyone's fault. Yeah, it's not. It's just fault. that they're just trying to make money. And how do they do that? Well, it's easy to sell a protein shake, mm-hmm. or a bar, or a supplement. And so we're the we're the lone rangers out there saying, "Stop it! Don't stop this madness!" And we try to educate, and we do on evidence based nutrition and wellness. And it's 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 a tough road, but it's a great road. Yeah, so it's a great road. So you were dabbling in it, uh, you know, and, th- and that's why you mm-hmm. had T. Colin Campbell's book. Um, when did you first, I guess, pick up one of those protein bars or nutrition bars at these conferences, maybe look at the ingredients label, realize that it's as long as your arm and say, something might not be right here? Well, I have to let you know, I was a Power Bar sponsored athlete Uh-oh. early on. I'm getting I actually, you in trouble now. If you picked a shape, a shape magazine in like the early 90s, I was actually the cover girl Look at for you. Power Bar. And then I went on to be a Gatorade sponsored athlete. So I have turned uh, completely around and absolutely uh, changed complete everything everything has changed yeah in the last 10 years uh bruce and i went from making a lot of money being sponsored by some of these companies to not not as much we we are a non-profit so and and that's more important we lay our heads down on our pillow every night and it's just it's good you know to know that you're doing the right thing Mm -hmm. that you're educating people and, and providing the right message about health and wellness. And it's not about a paycheck. It's not about, you know, uh, trying to sell the next bar or potion or pill or whatever. It's, it, it's good news. Yeah, it, it really is. And we did have a, we had a turning point. We met with Dr. Michael Greger. Um, we had breakfast with him about two years ago. Mm-hmm. Well, right before we, we set up one day to wellness. Yeah. And he said, I'll support you 100%. Mm-hmm. And, but he says, you have to become a nonprofit. And you cannot take any money from industry if you want me to support you. And we said, you know what? That sounds like a very good idea. And in retrospect, it's probably the best thing we did because we can stand up in front of an audience and say, we're not here to sell you anything. We're just here to provide you really good information about scientific research as it relates to human health and what we eat every day. And Bruce is on a lot of nutrition panels at these conferences, and it's fun because he'll say that, and then somebody will stand up, and she's sponsored by the turkey board, and then someone else is sponsored by something else. So you know if you're sponsored by, if you're taking money, your message is going to be skewed. Right. It really will be. Right, right. 
you know, <laughs> but there you guys are independent, you know, yeah. pounding the pavement for produce. I love it. <laughs> uh, but uh, I, I mean, jokes aside, this is a very kind of personal mission for you as well, Bruce. Um, I know that uh, you have been diagnosed with cancer. So talk to us a little bit about that. Yeah. So. Chuck, about seven and a half years ago, well, first of all, eight years ago, when I read the book, The China Study, I said, I'm going to lower my cholesterol the way T. Colin Campbell said I should do it, and mm-hmm. not with statins, the way my doctor said I should do it. And I did that, and I showed my uh, blood test results to my doctor. And he looked at it, and he goes, that's great. Your PSA is high. And I said, what is PSA? And uh, backdrop is I had been eating the standard American, the southern standard American diet for most of my life. I love fried, crunchy foods. It's like the standard American diet just cranked up to 11. Cranked <laughs> up to 11. I loved all the burnt ends on yeah, the roast man. and everything like that. <laughs> and that was always my favorite food. I loved eggs. I dr- ate tons of dairy foods. I'm a cheese connoisseur. I consider myself mm-hmm. a, a cheese connoisseur. But uh, so that was the beginning of my cancer journey. Bottom line, I went and had uh, a meeting with the urologist. Uh, I did have my biopsy. The biopsy did indicate that I had uh, a Gleason score six prostate cancer. Uh, and we elected to have surgery, to mm-hmm. have it removed. I did that, and the cancer was a lot more involved. It was about 80% involved in my prostate, prostate along with a seminal vesicle invasion and a positive margin. My PSA never went to zero, which it should once you have a radical prostatectomy because the only thing making PSA should be your prostate. Right. The only other option is prostate cancer. And um, so after that, I had a juvent radiation in my prostate bed about a year after that. Six months after that, uh, my PSA kept going up. And I had uh, about a year after that, I had radiation to my pelvic lymph nodes in Florida. And that still didn't with hormone treatment. With hormone treatment. Mm-hmm. And, and keep in mind, I have already transitioned to a plant-based diet. Mm-hmm. But as my urologist said, you know, this cancer has probably been growing in you for 15 to 20 years. Right, right. And um, I just know through the research that I've done to date that I can't say I gave myself cancer, but I certainly watered the – if genetics loads the gun, I pulled the trigger every chance I got through the foods that I ate unknowingly. And I don't shame myself. I don't blame myself. I consider it an empowerment to be able to help other people not go through what I went through because I'm a firm believer if you can intervene soon enough, soon enough with a, a plant-based diet, a lot of people in this country and around the world can simply avoid getting cancer in the first place. Let me, let me get real with you and, and ask you this question. I mean, I know that you have this positive attitude now, but when you first received that diagnosis, were you angry even for a split second knowing that you – probably in all likelihood put yourself in this position even yes. if it was fle- even if it was fleeting yes i would say i was extremely angered but there was one emotion that was much stronger fear mm. and uh, i'm writing a book about my experience with prostate cancer and my experience uh, i firmly believe that my most powerful tool in my battle that's still going on today with prostate cancer is the food I eat every single day. Yeah. <clears throat> oh, and having a hot wife. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that helps. And I and I think he'll say his mission. I mean our mission it really this has, is why we're doing what we're yeah. doing. Yeah. And and we left our home in Santa Cruz, California and we're uh, you know on the road every day helping other people. And and I was given a unique I don't have a nutritional educational background. I I spend all my time studying nutrition. And now, for the last eight years, I have been, but I've, I haven't focused on it. And our message is, you don't have to be a doctor. You don't have to be a registered dietitian. You don't have to be a registered nutritionist in order to be able to help people understand the research that's now available to all of us about the importance of nutrition and chronic disease mm-hmm. in our country. Mindy, what's what's this journey been like for you since the diagnosis and him going through these various treatments? What's what's it been like? Well, it's very interesting. Um, he has always been very even. You know, he didn't want to really go into the weeds, and he's always been just great, just good, really good. Yeah. And our our we've been married thirty seven years. We have three boys. It's been good. Now it's great. 
It's just great. Wow. Now, of course, there are lows. He has to have his PSA, um, the blood test, done every month. And it's right now ticking up again. So we're going to have to make some decisions pretty mm-hmm. soon. Um, but it's slowing down because of the nutritional intervention. And also, we are doing um, uh, some different intermittent fasting techniques. And uh, we're seeing promise there. Uh, and it's And it's his purpose in life. And he never really had a driving purpose prior he's a great surfer loves to surf goes off and surfs at whenever whenever he can look at the blonde hair right but yeah I mean, just yeah. the quintessential surfer look that's great <laughs> <laughs> but really our life has I, we've always been good but now we're just great yeah you know when you have when you have something that that hits you like this you look at life a lot different we we have a plaque in our rv that says it's um uh, Gandhi, of course, be the change you want to see in the world. Mm-hmm. Be the change. And yeah. that's what we do every single day. And we wake up every morning so excited about what we're going to do. And we go to bed every night really happy that we were able to do what we did. And we're very unique in that we work really well together. We're great work partners. But we also are wonderful um, and, married and getting, lovers, getting too. A cancer diagnosis is an inflection point in anyone's life. Yeah. And it's what you do with it. You can kind of go one uh, one of a couple ways. One is you can withdraw Mm -hmm. and become depressed Mm -hmm. and rely on your doctors. And the other, for me, it was wake up and smell the coffee brew. Yeah, man. But the other thing with this book, too, with your book, too, is that you are telling men get emotional, have emotions. Because before he wasn't having, um, he wasn't allowing himself to have these these emotional highs and lows. Mm-hmm. And it's... I like it's, to call them it's, emotional it's, breakdowns. It's opened the door. <laughs> well, also the highs, the major yeah, highs. Yeah. yeah. But yeah. I, I think that the, the lows and, and the highs, I mean, it's only going to be natural. You're going to run the whole gamut of emotion Absolutely. when you're going through something like this. And so mm-hmm. if you have that acceptance and know that it's okay to experience that, that's the important part. But I think that even more so, the important part is the fact that you pick yourself up, you dust yourself off, and you get right back to that positive mental attitude. And that is so critical no matter what challenge you're facing in life if you face that with positivity that obstacle is going to be so much easier to deal with than if you're going in there with this mental block like you're already defeated if you say that you can't do something well guess what you, you can't do, do it. it. Right. Yeah, right. That's it's right. also resonating when people listen to Bruce uh, when he lectures because he's so authentic and real and raw, and they see us together, and it's it it just it resonates. Yeah, we walk the walk. Yeah, we do. We walk the walk. What we talk about, like, and we yeah. drive the walk in <laughs> <laughs> the RV. Um, and you know, uh, along the lines of just positivity. And I think you probably know this, too. I mean, didn't you see a difference when you transitioned to eating this way to, like, things are just better? Oh, my God, yeah. You're just – your mental attitude improves. Yeah. And people – it's such an experiential thing. If people have not experienced, they just simply don't know – that's why it's so important to try to help people start moving in this direction. Yeah, you have this relationship with food. Yep. I mean, this relationship with food. Like, you look at your plate and you say, you know, nothing was killed. Nothing was harmed. It, it's all just wonderful food for my body that's nourishing. And, and it, it, makes you, it makes your mood better. Yeah. It's, it's like this fog lifts. But yeah. it's a fog that you didn't even realize you were, mm-hmm. you were in the middle exactly. of your that's entire so true. life. That's you know? so true. And I think the way, that's the way most of us are. Yeah. We just don't know it mm-hmm. because it's the way we've lived. It's right. the way I was for 52 years. Yeah. It's the, it's the norm, you know. Yeah. Um, but the, the interesting thing is we've actually talked about that. Uh, on the show about how you know the the brain just operates a little bit differently when you're on a plant-based diet and by and large granted a lot more research needs to be done in this but by and large what science is out there shows that people who are eating a plant-based diet are less susceptible to depression and generally have a more pleasant demeanor i know that i was on antidepressants from middle school you know, well into adulthood, wow. you know, before I changed. And I'm not saying that I still don't have my bad days. We all have bad days. But I will tell you this, 99% better than where I was. Mm-hmm. 99% better. And that is no lie. Mm-hmm. I, I totally believe it mm-hmm. because I've experienced the exact same thing. And when I wake up in the morning now, I do a quick body scan. I'm like, 
I feel awesome. To be honest with you, I feel better now than I have when I was in my 20s. Yeah. And I've got advanced prostate cancer. I feel spectacular. I've never felt sick. It has been a psychological torture journey mm-hmm. for the most part mm-hmm. uh, since my diagnosis. That's That's been the hard part. D- learning how to manage the stress just from the mental anguish of, of, of knowing that you have cancer. Yeah. Uh, and so that's been a, a learning. Certainly the diet helps. Uh, I've gotten very involved in, in meditation, and we do advocate meditation in our One Day to Wellness program mm-hmm. as well because mm-hmm. we think it is a very powerful tool. And there's a lot of good research, as you know, behind meditation sure. to just improve mood and And, and when you help other men. I and just, helping other, and just having a purpose-driven huge. life. Right. Yeah. I always had a great life, but it was always very stressful, and I was always focused. When you're working in Silicon Valley, you got dollar signs in your eyes. Yeah, so that's, that's the way it is. Yeah, and you man. work yourself to death, which is great. I mean, in a period in life, that can be a very healthy thing. For sure. Uh, but when we, when we transition into the world of evidence-based nutrition and trying to help people understand with nutrition, the, the – um, the business side of things, as you know, can really get in the way. Yeah. And we're entrepreneurs and we're business people and we love to make money. But when business gets in the way about the truth, about the foods that we should be eating, when we have all this excellent research and all, all we get educated on is from commercials on TV and people trying to sell something in this country, that's how most of us get our nutritional education. And it's wrong. Yeah. It's wrong and it's criminal. Well, let, let me let me go back to uh, your cancer treatment. I w- was interviewing an individual not too terribly long on the show who uh, was in a chemo group. You know, had uh, had their uh, treatment at the same time every week, and um, everybody you know was eating hamburgers or pizza or whatever the case may be. Well, here's Rick, and he goes on this plant based diet. His wife puts him on it. He doesn't get sick. He doesn't lose his hair. Mm-hmm. What was your experience like? Uh, thanks for bringing that up. Uh, because I do speak to this in the book that I'm writing, is it's incredible because we were counseled. (laughs) You mentioned the cheeseburger. I went in for my first round after my radical prostatectomy. I went in for my first round. I've had six weeks of radiation on a daily basis in the bunker in Santa Cruz, the medical center in Santa Cruz, California. And the second day, and this is a room, it's like this room. It's enclosed. There are no windows, right? You've got a bunch of women with with scarves on their heads and guys all waiting to get their radiation. Everybody in the room has cancer. Nobody's very happy. What comes in? A, this is in the radiologist's office, a big tray of donuts coming yep. into the waiting room with all these women with breast cancer and all these men with prostate cancer and other cancers. And the radiologist, a very prominent radiologist, is serving donuts Yep. to this patient. And I brought it up to him. I said, what in the hell are you doing? These are the foods that cause cancer. And he said, yeah, you know, people, they're not happy. They just need a little treat. Mm. And um, that's been my experience. I, I guess I'm getting off base no, from the man. original question. Stay on that soapbox, man. It's Keep going. Every doc, almost every physician that I have worked with, an oncologist that I have worked with, has known nothing about nutrition. And I've worked with some very prominent people in the oncological world uh, in San Francisco, some of them in the same building as Dr. Dean Ornish, mm-hmm. that don't know about Dr. Ornish's work. Wow, wow. And in don't the know same building. Nutrition. But I'll tell you, uh, we were counseled that Bruce would not have any real erectile function after about four or five years from all these treatments mm-hmm. it was it's cumulative which and, is very scary and it's so oh, scary yeah. and everything I that think. i read from the from the caregiver's perspective so bruce's book i'm going to be um including a lot of from the caregiver's perspective as well things that i did wrong and things that i thought were true that turned out not to be true well it is scary because most of the men uh, that get pro- prostate cancer. They don't change their diet. And so, of course, they will have erectile dysfunction. And Well, hormone therapy shuts off your sex drive. Right. So I've been through two rounds of hormone therapy. But we got a lot of work done during that time. <laughs> so Actual no- work, right? Actual work. <laughs> Actual so my, work. First, my first round Not of hormone therapy was, uh, <laughs> what was it, a year long? It was, it was a, a year, year long. And yeah. then I went off, and then uh, I finished up a second round of hormone therapy coupled with a chemotherapy drug called a new one called Zetigia uh, at the end of last, well, almost 18 months ago. Yeah. 
And we were counseled that erectile function is going to be a big problem. But I'll tell you what, I mean, during the treatment, there wasn't a lot of sex drive, mm. but I have fully, fully recovered. Fully. You should see the pride in this man's eyes right now. <laughs> yeah. I have fully recovered. <laughs> but that's so unheard of. So the doctors are blown away. And we away. know it's died. They're blown it away. Is, it's, it is 100% It is the power mind. of plants, the power of the plants in the penis. It is. <laughs> it is. <laughs> Pleasant surprise for you, no doubt, right? Well, sometimes it's a little... And, and also, <laughs> just along those lines, during the treatment, I mean, hormone therapy, uh, side effects are gaining weight. Mm-hmm. Uh, l- loss of libido, uh, nausea, being tired, feeling tired all the time. Being depressed. Uh, being depressed. Uh, and then if you couple that with uh, taking Zetigia, it's, it, just, it just magnifies the problems mm-hmm. and the side effects. And we got serious counseling on it. Chuck, I, I, br- I mean, I'm younger than a lot. I'm 61 now. I'm younger than – and when I went through that, I was in my late 50s. So I'm younger than a lot of men that have, are, have gone through this. But mm-hmm. I don't want to say I breeze through it, but – it you breeze through it. It wasn't. Yeah. Compared to the fear going into it with what actually happened, that's how powerful diet is. Yeah. And, and that's why we're sitting here with you today because we just think there's nothing. And our current doctor would always say, well, how are you doing? How are you doing? And Bruce said, I'm doing good. I'm really fine. I have no side effects. Right. And I, I said this before, the doctor was blown away. And so then Bruce goes in and counsels the doctors on um, plant-based nutrition because they don't know. And... A lot of doctors don't think that men will change. Right. So they don't spend the time discussing it with them. But we do have doctors. Do, our doctors now are extremely fantastic and amazing. Which is, and they do know. Which is a good yeah. point because there are some physician groups and onco- oncological groups out there that do understand, that have acknowledged the power of the research behind plant-based nutrition mm-hmm. as an adjunct treatment uh, for whatever type of treatment for mm-hmm. cancer that people are doing. And, and we found an organization like that. That, um, with uh, Dr. Mark Scholes at the, the prostate oncology specialist down in Marina del Rey, so um, that's our that's our group. That they're they're our quarterbacks now, and he wrote a book called The Fifteen Stages of Prostate Cancer. That's excellent, and most of it addresses the the latest standard treatments for prostate cancer, yeah. but they do focus also, there's a significant focus there on nutrition as well. Mm-hmm. So finally finding that, it was like, yes, I could. <laughs> but I we are laser-focused on nutrition. Oh, yeah. Laser-focused. Well, clearly. Yeah. And because we lecture on it every single weekend, uh, it just, it helps our career, it helps our, our relationship, it helps our children, it helps everything. Everything that we do is... I mean, our date night is going to the grocery store. Wherever we are. <laughs> Wherever we are. Because we're always in a different town, so it's fun to go into grocery stores and see, and see what, uh, what's being offered and what's being sold. That's awesome. I, yeah. I'm a big fan of grocery stores now, too. Yeah. You know, when I was overweight, I, you, rarely would I go in there. It was always the, the drive through man. But now I, I yeah. live for it. I live for those trips to Mom's Market. That's kind of local around here. Oh, or Mom's Whole Foods. Yeah, yeah, or yeah. Whole Foods, obviously. You know, I, well, I just Walmart love it. even has organics. Walmart has organics. Walmart has um, West Soy, which is a great soy milk. It's just organic soybeans and water. Um, they have the Waza crackers that we like. I mean, it's just, it's it's pretty amazing. We're probably the only ones that buy it in certain Walmarts, mm. but they're always there. Well, you have to understand that we travel a lot in the South. Right. I mean, we travel all over North America. We're heading up to Canada after today. Alabama, Georgia, Mississippi, Arkansas. Arkansas. Louisiana. This is, these places, it's horrible what's happening to yeah. these people. Yeah. And these are these, you know, they're low-income areas. I know they're low-educational areas, but you see the condition. It, it's heartbreaking. It's mm. absolutely heartbreaking mm. knowing that it doesn't. You can't. You just want to like stand up in the middle of Walmart and scream out the top of your lungs. Take that out of your cart. Yeah, but we tootle into a into an RV park. You know, like say we're in Arkansas or whatever, and some people shut their doors. They're a little afraid of a fruit and vegetable. Oh my God! Look at the hippies! <laughs> I know the hippies from California. <laughs> That's right. But then, then there will be people that say, "Well, you know, what are you doing?" Or, or they'll have an have an, a question that some, that they've heard, and. Hey, if we can drop one seed, if we can help one person, lead, we call it leaning to the green. If we can mm. just help one person lean to the green, we've done a good deed for the day. Yeah. And we don't push it on anyone. I mean, we don't, we don't say, hey, come talk and to us. And that's why we 
we wrap our RV looks ridiculous. Oh, I love it. <laughs> it's like a cartoon, <laughs> it's right? It's the best. But it's a flower. It's like a flower, right? So we know you can't go out and start talking to people about this. But if you're like this crazy RV, people will walk up and say, what in the hell are yeah. you doing? <laughs> and that's an opportunity to say, we're a nonprofit and we're here at Force for Good. And we're here if, to help people to understand evidence-based nutrition. Here's some information if you'd like it. What, what was it like the first time that somebody came up and, and – you know, was probably the last person in the world you ever thought would be interested in this. And then lo and behold, they kind of took to it. You know, do you remember that, that feeling? Absolutely. Well, we had, it happens fairly often. Yeah. Uh, whenever we stay in an RV park for more than a couple nights, uh, I can think of one in the, when we were in Niagara Falls uh, last year and a very obese woman came up to us and RV parks are not the bastion of good health in this country. Uh, but she came up and I did she'd walk by a couple of times and then she came up and she knocked on her door. Turns out she, um, was dealing with breast cancer mm. and she told us about her story and it was heartbreaking about her lack of any real information on evidence-based nutrition, especially to help her, uh, with her cancer journey. And we spent 45 minutes with her mm-hmm. and I, I, we don't tell anybody what to do, but yeah. we, we can provide them with very yeah. good information. And w- thanks to Physicians Committee for Responsible Medicine for making all of this literature available and free for people so that just read it. Yeah, we carry just, all that just, literature just in the RV, and we, we pass that out. My favorite was when we were in St. Augustine, and we mm-hmm. had th- this family with four beautiful young children, and uh, we just we struck up conversations throughout the day about four or five um, uh, days we were there with them. And about the second day in, they started giving us presents. They made shells that were like, um, they made carrots. Like they took a shell and and they would paint it. And all their little kids, these little toddlers, are all naming the vegetables and the fruits in our (laughs) Oh, that's cool. That's cool. So kids love it. And they they didn't know anything. Nothing. Um, And by the end... She was buying all the books on Amazon for plant-based nutrition, and um, and and again, she didn't she did not know. And all our whole program and our and our whole message is: we want to provide you with the why, and then how to implement the how. Mm-hmm. Because if you don't know the why, if someone just gives you a diet, just do this, right? You might do it for a week or so, but you don't have any. There's no skin in the game. There's no cement there to seal the deal. So our whole program is. Why? And then, okay, how do we do it? Let's, uh, let's end with this. Uh, Bruce, you, it sounds like uh, you've still got the, some things to, to tackle here. Yes. Um, you know, how are, how are you feeling about things moving forward? Are, are there still some nerves there? Are you- oh, my gosh. Every time I have to get a blood test, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's a challenge emotionally. Mm-hmm. And I'd say that managing blood tests, because uh, you have to wait two to three days. Do you have to go in? I have to get my blood done I, almost every month now. Mm-hmm. And even though just seeing the numbers go up can be just crushing. Mm-hmm. It can be crushing. Um, but then I pull my, you know, I, I, I know that I can get depressed, but it's usually for a very short period of time. And I know I'll pick myself up. And um, we're looking at, I've had two biopsies. Uh, I've had the most advanced of the PSMA prostate-specific membrane antigen scan. Can't find the cancer. We know it's in there, but we haven't been able to identify it with the best equipment available. So, in all likelihood, with the continue, if my PSA does continue to rise, probably do another biopsy again or another PSMA scan, uh, and then if it looks like there's a hot spot there, we'll try to biopsy it and and see about next steps. Um, So that's that's. That's where we are. I may have to go back on hormone therapy again. I hate that. Yeah, yeah. No man likes hormone therapy. I can handle it, and I know I can. I'm not as fearful as I was. I'm not fearful about the treatment so much as I used to be, Uh, but learning to manage fear and anxiety around blood tests is a full – it's an effort. It's an exercise. And where do you think you would be if you were still that guy that was plotting out barbecue joints in the Carolinas? I don't know if I'd be here. Yeah. I don't I don't know. My cancer was, I'm a young guy. I mean, I was diagnosed at 52 with advanced prostate cancer. Uh, I don't know. I I just know how powerful my diet is. And I'm a firm believer that why can't you reverse the growth? We know we can reverse the growth of 
uh, we know we can eliminate heart disease after you have it. Sure. We've got plenty of, Dr. Esselstyn's proven that beyond the shadow of a doubt. Dr. Ornish has proven through a randomized, as you know, you just spoke with him, a randomized controlled clinical trial showing you can slow, even reverse the growth of early stage prostate cancer. And now I'm doing the research with Dr. Sachs and others looking at even men with advanced prostate cancer, transitioning to a whole food plant-based diet, minimizing the low-fat whole food plant-based diet, you are able to reverse the, the progression of your PSA rise and in some cases make it go down. But, you know, beyond your work in the RV and all of your lectures, uh, you also have to realize that you're kind of this case study that over time is going to impact so many individuals like you can't even quantify how many people that your story has the yeah. the potential to reach so and uh, I, I i appreciate that and i'm i'm glad i have that opportunity i couldn't think of any other way i'd want to spend my life than to help other people in my situation yeah and we've made all we've made a lot of mistakes and that's what the book is about here's here's how you can avoid some very serious mistakes right. and right. and here's some things you can do Regardless of what decisions you're going to make medically, don't leave any cards on the table with nutrition because mm. it can that, it can save your life. And I firmly believe it's saving mine. Oh, yeah. and, and for me, it's like cancer might kill me. I might not live to be 80 years old, but I want to feel exactly like this as long as I'm around, and I want to have a purpose as long as I'm around, and I want to be I want to be vi- functional, vigorous, and vibrant. I don't want I don't want to be living in a with tubes in a hospital. Like, I'll be dumb when that's. Yeah. I want I want it to be like this, and I'm gonna I'm gonna make every moment I can. Well, I'll tell you this, man. If if you didn't tell me that you had cancer, I would not know. You you look like a very healthy individual to me. Thank and you. The way that you carry yourself and the energy that you have and your positivity, it it screams health to me. You should see him with his clothes off. <laughs> Let me tell you. I'm going to save that Let for you. Let me tell you. It ain't that kind of podcast. It's pretty man. good. <laughs> you got to pay extra for that. One. What, I'll tell you what. That's been the frustrating thing. It's because I feel, like he, I told you, yeah. I feel fantastic. I've never felt better. His energy's never been better. I've never it's, felt better in my yeah. entire life. And it's it's a bizarre situation. It kind of is, man. But you know what? Uh, this is just me talking. I think you're going to be all right. I think you are going to be I all right. I think so, too. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I know so. There you I know. go. He's got a lot of work to do. Dude. He's got a, we got this book. We've got, we've, and we, uh, yeah, we, we, we got a mission. We got a mission. You got a mission. And look, you've been married 37 years, so you know that when she says something is so, it's so, right? Yeah. I only have one uh, guiding philosophy in my life, and that's do what Mindy says. <laughs> because it's worked out, it's worked out very well so far. That's a whole other book for every married man out there. All right, Bruce and Mindy Milbray, check them out, OneDayToWellness.org. You guys and your big old fruit and vegetable RV, you are just inspirations. Bruce, thank you so much for your candor, your authenticity, just putting it all out there. The world needs more people like you. And Mindy, I mean, thanks for, you know, opening your eyes and realizing that that laundry list of ingredients on the protein bars is kind of like, yeah, it's a head scratch. You you might want to rethink, rethink what's healthy, right? Yeah. You guys are awesome. Thanks so much for joining us. Thank you. Thank you for your time. What an incredible story. Bruce and Mindy Milray. You can find them at bruceandmindy.com. I highly recommend going and checking it out. Because they are really what life is all about. Selflessness and giving back, even in the face of adversity. You know, something tells me that we'll be hearing more from these guys in the future. And like Bruce and Mindy, we want to get our message out to as many people as possible. And to do that, we need your help. One of the easiest ways to do that right now is to head over to Apple Podcasts and find the exam room by the Physicians Committee, give the show a five-star rating, and subscribe to it. Because when you give that show a high rating, you help us get this information, this inspiration out to as many people as possible. You are literally helping to change a life. 
Also, my thanks again to the Gregory J. Ryder Memorial Fund for making this week's episode of The Exam Room possible. The fund supports organizations that carry on Greg's passion and his love for animals through rescue efforts and veganism and even wildlife conservation. You can find them at GregoryRyderFund.org. That's Gregory, R-E-I-T-E-R, Fund.org. And while you're there, you can learn more about Greg's story and current issues surrounding animals. And you can also subscribe to the fund's newsletter. You can find a link to their website right now in the show notes for this episode. And as we flip the page and take a look at the show next week, Dr. Neil Barnard will be making his return to the exam room as we talk about power foods for the brain. The big theme that that comes around is that what's bad for the heart ends up also being bad for the brain. And I'm speaking when I say bad for the brain, I'm spe- specifically speaking about Alzheimer's disease. Mm-hmm. And I got to tell you, Chuck, if you make a list of all the things you n- never want to get in your life, at the top of that list is going to be Alzheimer's disease because mm-hmm. when you get that, you've lost absolutely everything. And researchers in Chicago, they were with Rush University, they started a thing called the Chicago Health and Aging Project. They rounded up a large group of people, and they tracked what they ate. They didn't tell them what to eat. It was just, what are you eating normally? Um, Okay, for breakfast, I have bacon and eggs, and for lunch, I have hot dog, whatever it is. They added up the bad fats that they were eating. Mm -hmm. I'm talking about saturated fat, the, the fat that's solid at room temperature. And some people in Chicago didn't eat too much of that. Some ate quite a lot. And what they showed was this striking clear-cut relationship that the more saturated fat you ate, the higher your risk of Alzheimer's disease. So that the people who ate the most had two or three times the risk of developing the disease compared to the people who generally avoided it or ate ate more modest amounts. Here's the thing. Saturated fat, its number one source is dairy. And think people don't really think about it, but cheese, butter, whole milk products, whole yogurt, that's the biggest source, and meat is number two. Um, the good news is that if you're avoiding those things, it looks like you can dramatically reduce your risk of ever getting Alzheimer's. And, and by the way, one other piece of this. Saturated fat, we think of as the bad fat because it raises cholesterol. But there's another one, and that's trans fats. Right. The, the partially hydrogenated vegetable oil, where they take an, a liquid oil, but they chemically change it to turn it into a solid, and that's what we call a trans fat. And they are as bad as saturated fat. Um, They act just like lard. It is always a blast when Dr. Barnard visits the exam room. So subscribe to the show right now on Apple Podcasts and wherever it is that podcasts are available so you can make sure that you are among the first to have it downloaded. You can have it waiting for you automatically. That way, it's right there, ready for you to listen as you make your way to the office next Wednesday. Also, while you're online, be sure to give a couple of follows on social media. I'm on Twitter and Instagram at Chuck Carroll WLC and the Physicians Committee and the show is on Twitter as well at PCRM. But on the gram, slightly different, written out this time at Physicians Committee. Follow us and you can get more health facts and more inspiration, stories just like Bruce and Mindy, who you heard today. And you can also hit us up using the hashtag exam room podcast. Let us know what questions you have, what topics you'd like for us to discuss in an upcoming episode. Heck, even shoot a video of your question. We may even feature that on an upcoming episode. That would be great. Just use the hashtag exam room podcast. But for this week, That is all the time that we have. My thanks again to Bruce and Mindy Milray, as well as Dr. Lee Frame. And for everyone here at the Physicians Committee, I am the weight loss champion, Chuck Carroll. Thank you so very much for listening. And remember, keep it plant-based.